Welcome to Musings with me at Butterfly Effect for Happiness. I'm Lisa and I hope that wherever this finds you in your day, it generates critical thinking and discussion for those you love and care about. In this episode, I muse over the topic of allowing our kids to breathe and ourselves, of course. Um, I was listening to a couple of business Q&As with my mentor Kate Ruby Aroha today and she answered a question around losing your, um, your mojo in one of them and spoke about zooming out on your business in another. So she talked about connecting into the messages that light you up or get your blood pumping making connections around what matters to you and it got me thinking about some of the clients that I've had the absolute honor to work with over the years and what some of the biggest issues have been for them and how I've been through similar situations to them so then it got me off tracking into this these questions um, because it was such a big thing for me when our eldest daughter was going through her teen years um, and the question for me was, can I be in the space that I need, that my kids need me to be in when they need me to be there? So is that the same for you? Can you be in the space that your children need you to be in when they need you to be there? And you know what? The honest truth is that we can't always be in that space. Because we're dealing with our own shit at the time as well. And here's where I pop in a wee bit of a metaphor. Love me a metaphor or two. Sometimes we can't help our kids breathe because we aren't breathing properly ourselves. Maybe we are so focused on the where this train wreck is headed that we cannot be in the space to breathe or to help our, how our kids find their own rhythm of breath. And I'll tell you why I use this metaphor. I had a literal experience of this around the time we were moving house, coming up six years ago now, and um, our daughter was coming up 17. So we were living with friends and spending a lot of time looking at houses so we could get out from under their feet. Um, not to mention running around to work and school. I was still studying um, then and I was also running a cake decorating business um, from somebody else's kitchen, which is not ideal, but I was super grateful that we had somewhere to live at the time. Um, so during this time, our daughter ended up with what we thought was a cold, um, which actually turned out to be uh, influenza A and sepsis. Um, so yeah, it was definitely a biggie and we were not expecting it, but, um, this is where I, I jump into a little bit of story around this, um, to give you some background. Uh, I had checked on her before I left to go and get her brothers from school and thought she felt hot, hot. Um, so I checked her and I took some layers off and, checked that she was breathing easily enough um, and then left to make the drive to pick the boys up and bring them back. Um, 30 minute drive by the way. And as the boys climbed into the car, after school I get a call from Lizzie, a very muffled and panicked call 
which at first I couldn't understand. And she was telling me she couldn't breathe. And I'm like 30 minutes away and she is at home on her own telling me she can't breathe or catch her breath. So I begin to panic. I mean, shit, my firstborn baby is 30 minutes drive away and struggling to breathe with no one around. I asked if she had called the paramedics. She hadn't. Um, of course, you know, when you're in that space and you're unwell, first first person to call is mum, if that is who your first person is. Um, she hadn't. She called me first. Um, and I was on the phone trying desperately to get her to calm down and take a breath, which of course wasn't working. And we were both getting more and more panicked and deeper into fear by the second. Um, it's not a space I ever want to be back in, I can tell you honestly. So I asked her, and let's be real, hindsight's a wondrous thing, to walk next door to ask someone to help her. And she couldn't do that, um, like duh. So then I asked her to call triple zero, which is the emergency number here in Australia. Um, I hung up and called triple zero as well. And the lady on the phone was an absolute legend. I have to do a shout out here to Queensland Ambulance Service. Um, they have had our backs on several occasions and the people on the end of the phone are just magic. They support you, they help you, um, they help keep you calm <laughs> and they the ambos that turn up are just awesome. So they were they were awesome and I'm so bloody grateful for the emergency services that we have here. Um, so then I drove like a crazy woman on a mission to get to my baby. Um, the paramedics were not going to be there soon enough for me and I could not lose her. I am not at any point, I am not advocating for driving whilst under stress or duress. Um, in fact, that was the stupidest part of it for me. Um, I mean, holy shit balls! This was not my brightest moment, and I can appreciate how we as parents do things that we may or may not do if we weren't under pressure, both literal and imagined. Um, so I ended up doing the drive in a lot less time than 30 minutes. Triple um, Zero had received the call from our daughter as well. Um, I flew into the driveway and into the house to find her um, downstairs in the lounge, freaking out and trying desperately to catch her breath. Um, and I could barely breathe myself. I was panicked about where the ambos were or um, paramedics and what would happen if they didn't get there in time. She was ridiculously hot. Like she was in that space of time of that hour between me checking on her and getting back. She was through the roof hot, struggling to breathe and I wasn't helping. I was asking her to slow down and take a breath. Her response was, I can't. Um, obviously she was breathing. She was answering me. Um, but all I could focus on was her saying, I can't breathe. And I couldn't get her to come into a rhythm to slow down or catch her breath. So I called triple zero and I let them support her to breathe. Um, and that's what made me think sometimes 
we are just simply too close to let to help our children catch their breath like literally or figuratively there's times when we need to get outside support and take our hands off the wheel and let those who know what they are doing take over what the steering what we feel is out of our control you know sometimes we're too much in the eye of the storm that we cannot see where we're going ourselves let alone direct those who are caught up in the tornado that's spinning around us and that's where we just have to let go let go and get someone to someone else to help i couldn't help her breathe and the more i tried to by telling and you can substitute panicked yelling in there um, by telling her what to do, the more frustrated and amplified the problem became and the less she could breathe. You know, when I sat back and handed the control over to the paramedic on the phone, things began to settle. I had to let go. I had to trust that those who have my daughter's best interest and well-being in mind knew what they were doing and that she would work it out with them. And that little story made me think of like, how often do we find ourselves stuck in the middle of dealing with our children's lives when we don't have the skills, we don't have maybe the techniques or equipment or strategies to help them get to where we know they are capable of being. So we keep going back and yelling at them, breathe. Meanwhile, our minds are racing ahead to what could go wrong or trawling back over what already has gone wrong. And we throw that into the mix as well then watch what could have possibly, and I stress possibly, um, teens have minds of their own, albeit one that is mid-restructure, um, but we then watch what could have possibly been much less of an, uh, an issue spiral out of control. Um, we follow them around, questioning them, um, what was your breath like today? Who, do, who was your breath with? How did it feel when you were breathing? Can't you see that if you breathe with those people, they aren't going to be, you aren't going to be able to breathe on your own. And then they yell back at us to be like, leave me alone. Oh, you don't know how it is. Stop talking to me. Um, let me work it out. And we continue to yell at them, breathe. And they stop breathing. They stop talking to us and they close us out of their lives. They stop because we aren't giving them the room to breathe. We might threaten, um, catastrophize, tell stories of fear, pain, loss to them. And we're hoping, and I'm speaking mostly for myself and I'm, uh, you know, you may, you may recognize this for yourself or similarities. We're hoping that it will bring them back to us. But the thing is, it most often doesn't. And we cannot breathe for them. We cannot live their lives for them. 
They may even yell back and threaten us with what they will or will not do. Well, if you say that, then I will blah, 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 or I won't go and do that, or I'm just going to stay out and you won't know where I am. Um, so that is them pushing our buttons to see how far they can get us to go. And then in that, we have to be clear, like, where is our line in the, in the sand for that? We need to be clear in ourselves so that we can be clear for them. If we're freaking out, then our children don't know where the boundary is. Our kids need solid boundaries so that they know where the safety net is. If we keep shifting it when they ask us to, they never know where it is. It has to be in the same place every time. And I'm not saying that it is always there. Where that boundary is as a two-year-old is different to where it is as a six-year-old, which is different to where it is as a 17-year-old. You know, but they need to know where that boundary is. And we shift and we stay. We don't shift and shift and shift. It's their job to push against the boundary. It's our job not to shift it without consideration or reasoned negotiation and I don't mean negotiating our values or beliefs or negotiating with threats I mean reasoning looking at where it needs to change and and shifting it if it is realistic to shift it but you know that's a whole other conversation and I could go on there but that's not the point of this one so we have to take our hands off the wheel and let them take their own wheel and or get the support um, they need from outside of us and trust that it will work. And then we let them use those supports and take the steps towards making change for themselves. And you know what the real beauty is of it all? is that when we allow them to make those changes, albeit in small stages, and through the support of somebody outside of ourselves, they end up feeling far more empowered and successful than when they do it because we have been shouting, breathe at them. We have to learn to trust them and treat them as the wise beings that we hope they are ready to be. Our children live up or down to our expectations. And when we hold the space that they will find that wisdom within, they eventually do find it. And if we think of our children as being like rubber bands, another analogy metaphor whatever you want to call it like rubber bands and I heard this for the very first time um, men are from Mars women are from Venus and he talks about men being like rubber bands and actually I, I always think of our children being very similar um, if we think of our children as being like rubber bands as they come into that time of stretching away from us and they will stretch a little bit and stretch a little bit that's it they're checking out their boundaries they're checking out like how safe it is to return and stretch and return and stretch a little bit further and return but if we try to control them if they don't get to have that stretch and we're coming with them they're going to keep stretching and we're going to follow and they stretch and we follow 
but we need to allow we need to be that solid space allow them to stretch and come back allow them to stretch and come back if we don't allow them to stretch and we try to control it it drives the separation further and the resentment begins to grow in there too and they stretch a bit further and they don't come back as far and if we allow them to stretch then like a rubber band they will come back to us when they're ready or when they need us if we keep trying to stop that expansion then they stretch further and further and further and then there's more likelihood that the rubber band will break under the tension so trying to control the expansion and growth of our kids creates anxiety for us and worry for us because we're trekking off into what if this happens or what if this happens or you know our brains like to rerun these things over and over and over i mean you may be the same and have been awake at night worrying about what is happening for your teen or how are we going to deal with that that's natural um but it being there all the time creates a space of discomfort and fear for us and we then put that on our children we need to be solid we need to be that that safety solid space for them as much as we possibly can if you know we feel like we're coming from a space of love and care for them and yes we are in one sense however if we can trust their inner knowing and that we've taught them to trust their instincts then we can surrender to that and allow them to expand into who they need to be at the time. And sometimes that doesn't look like what we would hope for our children. Sometimes that may look to us like they're going to go way off track. But whose track are they going off? They're going off their track or are they going off our track? We've got this whole thing often that I know what is best and if you do this, then this will happen or this won't happen. or And we're basing it on our experiences or the experience of people around us. But we're not allowing them to go out and make their own mistakes. So by being in the space of trusting our children, they have the capacity to not need to create that resistance as much or stretch the rubber band so tightly against us that because we've become a bit more relaxed about the who the what the where and how of our kids lives we're there we're still there we we still have the boundaries we're still solid but we're not like in their lives all the time they they are becoming adults but they don't know how to do that so we stay stable we remain solid and we keep those boundaries unless we have those conversations around where we can shift that and after all the louder you yell breathe 
the less they can breathe. And we cannot fill their lungs with our breath. Or they'll never learn to breathe on their own. And we need to also let our kids experience consequences of life. And how to come to terms with these. If we are constantly trying to prevent them from making mistakes, then when they do, and they will, they could end up in a situation they can't fix so easily. We as parents need to be teaching our children how to take a failure and find a solution. And I do not say this because I've got it all worked out. I have I have fucked up lots of times, <laughs> lots of times. And I say this stuff because this is where I've mucked up. And I can see post muck up, post failure, post growth, where it can be different from my other children, where I can parent differently, where I can guide differently where I can step out or, or make that decision to step in and after all you know what it is in our failures that we do the most growth and to take it back to the breath metaphor it is after feeling like we are drowning or nearly drowning that we appreciate how good it is to breathe and work out how we can avoid or improve that situation if it happened again. And you know, it's so interesting how these events can be catalyst for change within our whole family, within ourselves, how we operate, because essentially our beautiful children are like canaries in a cage. I use this analogy so many times they are like the canary in the cage you know the miners had the the cage with the canary in it and they would go down to mine for pre precious metals or materials or, or whatever it was and if there were toxic gases under the ground the canary would die note i am not advocating for um, abuse of animals at all i'm using this as an analogy but the canary would die so the miners would know they needed to get out, that they needed to make change, that they needed to go somewhere different or do something differently. If we use our children, or not use our children, don't use your children, um, if we focus on our children as being the canaries in the cage, then they are showing us that there needs to be change. Because what we have been doing has not been working. Maybe they are a mirror for ourselves. Maybe their behaviour is learned from what we have done. To ourselves, as ourselves. You know, it is in seeing our children that we get to see parts of ourselves. And sometimes we do not even realise that we are doing those things until we see our children doing it. Maybe it is that we haven't had boundaries with our children, so our children have no boundaries. They don't have boundaries with other people. Maybe we've had no self-respect. 
no self-worth, no self-value. And we've allowed everyone to walk all over us all the time and use us like a doormat. Our children are seeing that. They then go into the role of treating us the same. But what they also then do is they take on that role in other relationships. And they become the person who never says no, who has no self-worth, who has no boundaries, who has no self-confidence. Look at where your children are and they will give you an indication of where you are at. You know, there may be, be underlying issues bubbling away in our families, which was true for our family. And we didn't even realize there were issues. You may not even realize there are issues. And it, you know, it doesn't get brought to the surface until something like this happens. So it doesn't come into the light. And that's not a bad thing. It doesn't, it's not bad that it comes out. When we get to bring it into the light, we get to have a little bit more of a look at it. And it's the opportunity to find like a new way to operate or a new cave to mine for the sparkly bits in it. And we get to expand and grow as a family and as individuals and our children. Making waves or tsunamis may be the case. <laughs> Give us that opportunity. And often we can't see that at the time. Think of all the time things that you couldn't see, the beauty of it or the positives of it. And later on, you get to see that because you're like, oh my God, if I hadn't gone through that, I wouldn't have learned this or I wouldn't have met these people or I wouldn't have experienced this. And so it is for the growth and expansion for ourselves and our children. So you know what? Know that there is potential for you and them to grow in this and become a new version of self through the stretching of the rubber band and understand that they will breathe for themselves either because they've worked it out for themselves or they've remembered what you taught them about breathing <laughs> or they find help outside of you to support them to breathe until they learn how to breathe for themselves. We let go of the control. We seek help where it's needed. And we hold the vision that we are going to be okay. And they are going to be okay. And in working through that, both together and individually, finding your own rhythm of breath. Finding your own rhythm of breath. Find your own rhythm of breath. Find the support that you need. And if you need extra support, check out the links in the details. I hope this finds you somewhere in a magnificent day with masses of wealth and blessings. I will catch you on the next one.